Well, good morning, everyone. I want to say uh, my congratulations to John and John for this incredible decision that they've made in their lives. And uh, a shout out to your families, too. Uh, couldn't, couldn't, you know, mom and dad, they couldn't be happier right now. I mean, what mom on this planet, what dad on this planet wouldn't be fired up about their son making this decision? But, uh, you know, I want to welcome you also, as Mike did, uh, if you're here visiting with us, your guest, uh, it's really great to have you here. And uh, as we've been looking at for the last uh, two weeks, this is our, our third and final part of our series called Simple. And, and the reason, as Mike shared, uh, people like me, ministers, preachers, can complicate things, I must confess. Uh, and life can get complicated. Religion can get complicated. And, and one of the things that we've highlighted is Jesus, when he showed up, he made it extraordinarily simple for people to connect and understand God. And that's the reason for our, our, our series. We need this. I need this. Uh, we need to simplify things. And so in week one, uh, if you weren't here, uh, we, we talked about the simple notion of, of following. Just follow. Jesus found a bad person. Uh, there's actually a book written by a bad person in the Bible. I don't know if you know that. Matthew. He was a bad person. Jesus didn't straighten him out on the first encounter. He didn't, you know, tell him all the things that he had to change. He told him one simple thing when he met him. Follow me. Come and see. Come follow me. And, and hang out and see what I do and what I teach. And then you'll come to your faith. And, uh, you know, follow for us, what that means is to, to try praying, to try reading the Bible. You know, what, what John and John did, you know, either months ago or, or weeks ago, uh, what they started doing. That's what follow means, coming to church, uh, reading the Bible, and try applying it for yourself, what the Bible says. And then following week two, we looked at this last week, following leads to believing. You know, once you start following, things start falling into place. This makes sense what Jesus is talking about. I'm, I'm developing a trust with Jesus so that I'm willing to put my trust and my faith in Him. He is who He says He is. He's the Son of God. And all of us sooner, we talked about this last week, all of us sooner or later, we want a right standing with God. We want to know that everything's okay between us and God. Maybe not today, but sometime in our life, I promise you, every one of us. And here's the message that God wants to send each and every one of us. He loves you, and He's for you. And, and, but it's up to us to accept the invitation. Jesus extended an invitation uh, now and then when they were following and when the Bible was written. Hey, I just want you to follow close. I want you to come along with me and I want you to see what God's heart is all about, who I'm all about. And so people who followed began to believe that Jesus was who he said he was. And so they put their trust in him and they started to believe. Follow, following leads to believing. It leads to believing. And all of us, sooner or later, want this type of relationship with God. Today we're going to look at a sticky word. Kind of like, you know, makes people feel a little uncomfortable. Uh, you know, this third word. First it was follow, then it was believe, and then today we're going to look at a, a sticky word. The reason why it's sticky, the reason why it's hard for people, is because it's been understood and misplaced by people like me again. I, I take all the responsibility today, uh, you know, for, for what's wrong with your faith. Uh, or somebody like me, a church place. Because... You know, people misapply, they misunderstand the order of where this sticky word comes in. What's the sticky word? Obey. Obey. How you like that word? Obey. See, that's why. You know, some of us don't like if if you say that, if you would have said that to me at a young age, obey, you know what I would have done? I'd have gone the other way. You know, and, and that's the truth. It's interesting about about this word. It's the, it's the do part of Christianity. It's the apply part of Christianity. It's the, as Alan Iverson would say, it's the practice part of Christianity. You want to talk about practice? This is what Jesus wants you to do. This is his ultimate goal with you. 
to do it, to practice, to apply what he taught. But oftentimes, when we hear this word, obey, it sends a wrong message. And that's because of our past. That's because of our, our background. That's because of the misunderstanding and the misrepresentation. And the reason is because obey has been put out of order. It was placed out of order in the relationship. And when in the New Testament, people began to follow first, they followed first, then they believed, and then they put their trust in Jesus. After that, they began, after they'd established that trust with Jesus, what did they start doing? They began practicing. They began applying. They began living what Jesus taught. And, you know, for many of us, they, they, for, for many of them, they began to organize their whole life around the teachings of Jesus. Everything, their finances, their schedule, their relationships, everything started to revolve around what Jesus taught. And, you know, today we're going to look at this. And it's interesting, they began to do their money, the, the disciples in the first century, differently. They looked at their money and they said, I'm not going to do it the way the world does. You know, I want to use some of this to help other people, to make a difference in the lives of other people. They began, the people in the first century, as they applied Jesus' word, they began to do family differently. They began to practice what Jesus was, was teaching. They began to treat people differently. They began to forgive others who had hurt them deeply throughout their lives. And they began to do good things for their enemies, which was totally, totally, totally counter the culture. This is not the way people lived. This is not the way people live today. And they had such a unique way of behavior that people were curious. Jewish people were curious. What, what's wrong with these people who follow Jesus? Roman people took an interest in what these people were doing and what they were practicing. It drew their attention. And then Christianity, because of the practice, because of the doing, Christianity began to spread like wildfire. And it wasn't because of a famous speaker. It wasn't because of great leaders that Christianity spread like it did in the first century and second century. It was because of the lifestyle and the behavior of those who follow Jesus. That's what did it. You know, a lot of times we want to we want to follow somebody instead of saying, you know what, it's about the teaching of Jesus that needs to be followed, not, not a person. And the behavior was so powerful and contagious that it eventually toppled the empire that crucified Jesus. The most powerful army of that time was toppled by doers of Jesus' teaching. And it, this is so contrary because it, it's, it's so amazing because then Rome, which was the conquering nation, was conquered and became the hub of Christianity. It became the capital city for Christianity. Can you imagine that? I mean, that's the, that's the level of impact that followers of Jesus had in the first century. That's the power that applying God's Word, practicing God's Word can have on our society the most powerful nation can be turned over. And the extraordinary conviction of these first followers, it was amazing. They overcame great suffering, great obstacles, even death, because of their conviction that Jesus was who He said He was. And they believed Him wholeheartedly. And they followed Him. They, they put all of their trust in Him. And so this out-of-order mentality, we're going to talk about this today. You know, I'm not sure when it happened or why it happened or who did it, what was the cause of it, how it got all turned around. But instead of hearing follow first, then believing, and then applying God's Word, what happened? People would come to a place like this and be told, Hey, we're glad you're here. Now obey. 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 You need to obey. I don't know anything about you. We're glad you're here, but you need to obey. And that's what we hear, we've heard from churches. We've gone to places like that. I mean, what does that do to people if the first thing that you hear is, 
obey. You know, it freaks them out. You know, and it, it really shocks them. We don't know anything about you, but for God's sake, obey. And that's not the way it happened. And no wonder why people stopped coming to church if that was the first word that came out. And it's interesting that in the New Testament and in the Old Testament, that's not the pattern. That's not the pattern. That's not the way things came about. That's not the way things... And the most famous list of rules in the Bible, anybody know? It's up there on the screen. You're cheating. The most famous list of rules in the Bible, Ten Commandments. You know, I remember there was a time when you'd walk up to somebody, hey, do you believe? Oh, yeah. I, I, I follow the Ten Commandments. No, you don't follow the Ten Commandments. You don't even know where the Ten Commandments are in the Bible. No, no, I do. I follow the Ten Commandments. Okay, what are the Ten Commandments? Um, um, see? But see, a lot of times when we think about the Ten Commandments, the interesting, do you know when God gave Israel the Ten Commandments? In what order? It wasn't in day one. Hey, hi, I'm God. Here are my commandments. That's not the way it happened. That's not the way it went down. It was a completely different. It was after he miraculously, miraculously rescued them from slavery in Egypt. That was the first step. Then he brought them across the Red Sea. Part of the Red Sea led them through the Red Sea. Then he fed them. He was leading them day by day and then protecting them by night for weeks. For weeks. Then after all that, he pulled them together and he said, now that you've seen how much I love you, now that you've seen how much I care about you, now that you see how much I'm vested in you, let me teach you how to live. Because I'm your father who cares deeply about the outcome of your life. See, even in the Old Testament, old in the New Testament, it was never obey first, it was follow, believe, put your trust, and then practice and obey. It makes sense, doesn't it? It's a simple plan. And some of us need to iron that out in our own lives. The reason why you can't obey is because there's really no relationship between you and Jesus, you and God, you and the Word of God. And so that's probably why you have a hard time really obeying. Maybe one of the reasons. There may be others. But the pattern is follow, believe, and then it is obey. And, and the question, the big question, are you ready to trust God with your life? Are you ready to do that? And if you're not, you need to work on following. And you need to work on establishing a faith. And, and, and the big question is, are you ready to make some lifestyle changes? You know, I appreciate so much when, when people decide to get baptized like that, they're in. That's the decision. That's the seal. That's the, that's the last step in, in, in that finalizes, I'm all in. Get all the chips, and I put them all in the middle of the table. Jesus is now going to run my life. That's what that means, in case you didn't know what that decision. It's huge. It's significant when somebody makes that step. But it, it's preceded by following. You know, John shared about it. It took him six months. Sometimes it takes people a little more time to follow than believe than make that final step. I'm going to obey. For other people, it takes a few days because they've learned the lessons. They've seen what our culture can do, how it can rip you apart and spit you out. And they go, you know what? i got no one else to trust in except God, except in Jesus. But when you hear that word, obey. What people do is they hit the brakes with both feet and they stop and they say, you know what? I, I don't know if I can do this. This is where people get off the bus when they hear obey because they associate it with commitment. They associate it with I've got to change my whole way of thinking. And you know what? you got reason to put on your brakes because this is a big decision. It was then and it is now. Simple. Understand this. Simple does not mean easy. Okay? Simple does not mean easy. 
It wasn't easy for those people in the first century, second century, and third century. They faced incredible opposition because of their faith in Jesus. But they were ready. They were decided. You know, some people, you say, I've been following and I believe, but mm, man, the obey part, that's what, that's what gets me. That's what's so hard. And you know, Jesus addresses this heart. Jesus deals with this heart. And so if you're in that place today, if you followed and, and you're, you, you believe in Jesus, you believe in the Bible, you, you have some kind of faith, but the obey part is just it's really hard for you, guess what? Today is your day. Today is your day. And, and this is going to help you today because Jesus addresses this heart. He deals exactly with this mentality. Anybody know what Jesus is? Well, it's on the screen. I can't even ask these questions. I give the answers away too quickly. His most famous sermon. And Matthew took incredible notes of this sermon. In Matthew chapter 5, it's called the Sermon on the Mount. And, and probably, you know, people have quoted, this is my favorite part of the Bible because it's so significant. They don't mean that because if they meant that, their lives would be amazing. You know, I've heard politicians say, oh yeah, the Sermon on the Mount, it's the best. And you say, yeah, no, it's not because you're not, you're not, that's not you. Not even remotely like you. This sermon was incredibly challenging. It was tough. And it was Jesus' most famous sermon. And at the end of this sermon, at the end of this sermon, Jesus tells a parable because the point we're going to hit today is so important. It's so significant. It's so big in your walk and in your faith with God. And yet it's so misunderstood. His audience had been following, and to a degree, many of them were believing. All those people there, they had been following for a time, and a lot of them were believing. And so Jesus, he rolled it out. And he, he said, Jesus shared this parable that we're going to read today. This is going to be our, our text. He, he shared this text so that we would get God's view, God's view, not our view, on obedience. See, because when you understand God's view on, on obedience, it's much easier to do. It's much easier to take. And, and you, you move forward with that trust. And when God asks us to reorganize our lives around His teaching and what He wants, it's very important to Him that you understand His view on obedience. And see, for many of us, we don't get it. And here's if you're going to remember one thing today, just one thing. You can write this one down if you're taking notes. You can write it on, you don't have a piece of paper, you know, you can put it on your phone. This, this is the point of the day. Today, this is it. Obedience, it's obedience that makes all the practical difference. It's obedience that makes all the practical difference in your life and in your faith. Following is great. Believing is better. But, practic but the practical difference in your life, your marriage, your family, your finances happens when you obey. See, that's where it all comes together. Anybody's faith, if they're not practicing what Jesus taught, is incomplete. It's not what God intended. And so today we're going to look at that. Jesus' new teaching. I mean, this sermon that he gave, Jesus introduces a whole nother level, a whole nother level of obedience to God. Are you ready for this another level? Let me give you, let me give you a taste of this, this, uh, this new level, this new teaching that Jesus introduced on the Sermon on the Mount. First thing, when someone injures you, slaps you on the cheek, hard. What I want you to do is give them the other cheek. Turn the other cheek. Are you serious, Jesus? Really? That's crazy. That's abusive. Yeah, that's what I want you to do. That, that's my new teaching. Yeah, that's, that's what it is. When someone asks you to do something for them, don't just do what they ask you to do. Do a little more. But wait a minute. They're going to take advantage of me. Now, that, that's, that's my teaching. That's, that's what I'm asking you to do. Be generous, Jesus taught in the Sermon on the Mount. Be so generous that when someone asks you for something, give them more than they ask. If they ask you for 10, give them 20. If they ask you for your jacket, give them your jacket and your sweater. 
man, Jesus, that's, that's over the top. That's too much. How can you ask for that much? That's too much. Oh, yeah, and by the way, forgive everybody of everything they've ever done to you in your whole life. Everybody? Wait a minute, Jesus. Hold out. Hold, hold up. Time out, Jesus. You know, if I let people off the hook, they're going to walk all over me. You know, I'm, Jesus would say, I'm going to let you off the hook. If you want to be off the hook, then you've got to let everybody off the hook of everything. Now, you're hearing this, right? How, how's this settling? You ready to embrace this teaching? Ready to go all in? You're feeling the exact same thing that Jesus' audience felt. Whoa, this is intense. When someone wrongs you, when somebody does you wrong, I want you to go after them and resolve the issue. Whoa, wait a second. That's crazy. They should come to me. They should come and talk to me. They're the ones that did the damage. If they offend me, they they gotta, they got to come and talk to me. No, no, no. This is a new teaching. What I'm asking you to do is, if they wrong you, you go to them. I want you to take the high road. This is my teaching. This isn't anybody else's teaching. Didn't stop there. I want you to treat everybody. Jesus taught this in the Sermon on the Mount. I want you to treat everyone the way you want to be treated. You've heard it before, the golden rule, right? I came from the Sermon on the Mount. Treat everybody as you would want to be treated. And then the showstopper. You ready for the showstopper? This was big. Oh, yeah, guys. Lust is a sin. Yeah, 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 I know, Jesus. Adultery is a sin. Yeah, yeah, that too. But it's a little more than that. Wait a second. You mean, I got to guard what I think, Jesus? It's not just what I do, it's what I think? And just like, just like you're thinking right now, the same people were asking the same question. Who can do this? Who can practice this teaching? This is, this is way up there. Who's going to be able to live this out? Not just doing it on the outside, but doing it on the inside. You see, everybody was feeling it, as you may be feeling it today, or maybe you felt it at some point in your life. What Jesus was asking people to do, to practice, was very, very challenging. But the truth of the matter is today... What Jesus was saying, it's the invitation then, it's the same invitation now. I'm asking you to change your whole lifestyle so that it conforms to my teaching. That's intense. That's real intense. And his audience was reacting the same way that many of you are right now. Do you know what my friends are going to say if I start living this stuff out? They're going to think I'm a freak. I won't even have any friends by Friday if I start doing this. This is crazy. What are people, what are my parents going to say if I start living out what Jesus taught? I will be the alien in my school. I will be the alien in my workplace. I will be the alien at home. You see, this is what people were feeling. And Jesus, knowing all of this, knowing this was stirring inside of them, and you know, as we talked about last week, what would it be like to have a friend who knows your heart? When you go right to the point, he knew what his audience was feeling. He knows what maybe some of you have been feeling for quite some time, why you haven't taken the big step of obeying and putting into practice Jesus' word. He tells this, he tells this parable in Matthew, and this is where we're going to open the Bible finally. For some of you are like, well, when are you going to open the Bible? Now we're going to open the Bible. Don't worry. Jesus said that too in his Sermon on the Mount. Do not worry. We're going to open the Bible in Matthew chapter 7. And this is Jesus wrapping up. He's wrapping up his whole Sermon on the Mount. Okay? So you're right there where they were. Wow, this is an intense teaching, Jesus. Look what he says here in verse 24. Therefore... Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Now, 
everybody in the audience is going, yeah, of course, duh. Of course you build your house on a rock. Show me a house here in California that's not built on some kind of foundation of cement or stone. Who would do that? Everybody does that. Now, but what Jesus is saying here is, my word is like that foundation. And if you don't put into practice my word, it's like a man who doesn't put a foundation down. And look where he's going. And our culture, just like, you know, at that time maybe, our culture has a show-up mentality as it pertains to believing or Christianity. You know, I was raised as a Catholic. And, uh, you know, I got credit, I thought, just for showing up to church. I had this mentality that if I just show up, if I just walk in the door, God's going to look at me and He's going to smile. And then when I hit the door, He's going to open His eyes from His long nap and He's going to see me there in the back row and He's going to say, Man, I'm so glad you're here. You get a star. I'm going to put that star right on your forehead. And I would feel so good that I showed up for church. You know, there's a lot of people in a lot of religions today that they teach that. Just show up. It's a show up mentality. That's all you got to do. Just show up. And God will be so, so happy with you. His teeth will shine to see you at church. And he's, you know, he's probably smiling right now, you think. But you know what? This parable is the exact opposite. The exact opposite of a show-up mentality. It's not enough to show up. This, this parable is all about applying practicing, living out Jesus' teaching. And, and that's what, this is where he brought it all home. And, and you got to ask yourself, Jesus is saying, if, if I don't put into practice, I'm stupid. I'm foolish. And that's what we're going to get there. But, you know, who does Jesus think he is to say that if we don't follow his word, it's like building a house on sand? Who does he think he is? I mean, that's, that's incredible. There's two types of people. And what Jesus is saying, everyone who leaves here and does what I say is smart. He's wise. He's using his brain. He's got common sense. But if you don't put these words into practice, this is kind of what Jesus is saying right here. I'm paraphrasing it. Anyone who doesn't put these words into practice is, duh, dumb, foolish, stupid, you don't practice the sermon that I just gave you, you're foolish. You're like, wow. So you're telling me I'm dumb? Do you know how many degrees I have? Do you know how many letters are after my last name? Okay? Only certain people would say this. Two, in fact. First one was an incredibly, I mean, real arrogant person would say what Jesus just said. you got to be incredibly arrogant. If you don't do what I say, if you don't do what I teach, then you're a fool. Or it's somebody, perhaps, who knows what they're talking about. Everyone needs to decide for themselves. Either Jesus was incredibly arrogant or He is the Son of God and knows exactly what he is talking about. That's your choice. That's a decision you have to make. And I'm going to walk you through it. Is your life ready for the storm? Jesus goes on with his Sermon on the Mount. We read on. Verse 25. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. You know, and when Jesus is saying this parable, he's not talking about a week. He's not talking about a couple of hours like John and John. Okay? He's talking about a whole life of living this sermon out, of putting into practice. And in fact, the storm as he's referring to, as Jesus referred to it again in John chapter 16, verse 33, he says, my friends, my disciples, in this world, you will have trouble. 
you will have storms. But take heart. I've overcome the storm. I've overcome this world and the way it is. Real trouble. Not like you got your cell phone taken away for a week. I'm talking real trouble. Not that you got a bad grade on your exam. I'm talking real trouble. Serious trouble you will have in this life. We're talking, we're talking family problems, family trouble, marriage trouble, health trouble, maybe natural disaster trouble, financial trouble. We're talking about losing your home. We're talking about being broke, losing your job. Real trouble, not little trouble. Some of us think our lives are coming apart. No, we're not talking about that kind of trouble. We're talking about big trouble. And Jesus is trying to save us from those storms. But the man who put into practice his word withheld the storm. He may have lost a few ceiling tiles, roof tiles. They may have flown off. But the house stayed intact. You may There may have been a few chips on the paint. But that house is still standing. It may have shaken a little bit. But his life and his house is still standing strong. That's what he's talking about. And quote from Forrest Gump, stupid is as stupid does. Right? You've heard that quote. That's, that's what Jesus is about to say. Get ready. Verse 26 and 27. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man. He's a fool. Don't you hate that word? Somebody calls you a fool? You're a fool. He's like a foolish man who builds his house on the sand. Who would do that? Let's just imagine it. A river right down here. Who in California would build their house on the sand right next to the river in the springtime? Or in the summer, better yet, when there's just a little babbling brook, not realizing that in the winter, ooh, it's going to change quite a bit. Who would do that? And then it says here, then the rains came down, the streams rose, the winds blew, and beat against that house. And it fell with a great crash. You know, this is a very, very serious teaching that Jesus is giving. This is God's vantage point of our lives, friends. This is how He from heaven looks at our lives. This is how Jesus, as He sat out there and looked at thousands of multitudes of people, and He looked at their lives and He said, this is what is going to happen to you if you don't put this into practice. This is your life. This is how it's going to break down. This is you. And look at how he finished it, the whole sermon. He wrapped it up. When the people, when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowd was amazed. They were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority. Not as the teachers of the law. There was a distinction. There was something Incredibly different about what Jesus was saying. You see, Jesus wasn't the one with authority, although he had authority. The reason why he spoke with such tremendous conviction was because these weren't his ideas and his opinion. These were God's words coming down from heaven. They will outlast you. They will outlast this planet. They will outlast everything that you can see. This is eternal. You think you know that much? I mean, he put people in perspective and they say, wow. Jesus is not offering us an opinion or an idea. He's laying it down. This is it. This is your option. This is your life. This is how it's going to be. You know, and we got to look at this parable. For some of us here today... This parable comes as a comfort. For others, it comes as a warning. For others, it comes as an explanation. A comfort, a warning, or an explanation. It's a comfort for those who have decided years ago, months ago, maybe weeks ago, maybe today, 
that they were going to put their full trust in Jesus' word and God's word. They said, you know what, I'm going to do it God's way. And then now looking back at their life, somebody like Dave Moss, who's been in the faith for 30, 40 years, right? Long time. He can look back at his life. You want to ask Dave his testimony? He would say, listen, had it not been for Jesus and his teaching, had it not been for my faith in him, I don't know where my family, my marriage, my life would be. That's my testimony. That's me. I don't know where. This, this, this parable gives me great comfort. Because there's been some storms, let me tell you. And there may be more. I feel incredible comfort to know I'm going to make it. My faith, my house, my life, my soul, my marriage is going to withstand the storm. I take great comfort in this parable. Now, the second one, the second part, the second part is, you know what Jesus said, for some, this is a warning. This this parable, it's a warning. Because some of us here today, you know, we're, we're, we may be, uh, we may have been raised in the church. We've heard this teaching of Jesus. You know, we've liked it. We kind of like being around church. But the truth of the matter is, we know we're not practicing it. We know we're not doing it. We're not living it. We're playing the game. We like the following part. We like the believing part. You know, maybe you've been coming to church for a while and and you like it. The relationships are great. People are nice. They're friendly. You know, they'll even take you out to lunch afterwards. They'll pay for it. Man, that sure is nice, you know. Like this church. I think I'll be back next Sunday. If they keep rolling it out this way, why not? This parable is a warning to you. It's telling you there's a storm coming. And you know, the truth of the matter is you are where you are because you're not willing to make the changes. There's a relationship. There's something going on in your life that you're just not willing to turn over to God. And you know clearly. You know what the Bible says about it. You know what Jesus' teaching is about it. And you're like, no, I'm not going to do it. But I'm going to live out this facade that I'm a believer. I'm a follower. I'm here, aren't I? Right? And you know, you can look around at your life and look at your friends, look at your situation and say, you know, there's not a cloud in the sky. It's just like SoCal, you know. You wake up every day, it's beautiful. There's no threat. There's no problem. Blue skies and rainbows for me. There's no problem in my life. And I'm not practicing. So there. Let's see if Jesus' teaching is really true. He'd say, well... The way I'm doing it, life is good. I got it both ways. I can be on church on Sunday. I got all this. And I can have my life on the side. And nobody knows. You may have some secrets. You may have some closet things going on in your life. But your conscience, your conscience as you're preparing your taxes for this spring, your conscience is screaming, screaming out what you're doing What you're living is not right. It's not right with God. And you know you need to change. You know you need to take that big step. And Jesus is saying it's just like a person who lives right there on the riverbank. Not perched above. I'm saying right down there in the sand. That's your life. You know, you've got to be honest. It's pretty convenient to live right there down on the bottom by the riverbank. You don't have to walk that far. Man, you just step outside of your doorstep right there at the bottom of the stairs and there's fresh, clear, clean water. Take a bath. You know, life is good. Right? Then something happens. Something happens. The rains start to fall. And you start to hear a rumble. And you look upstream and there comes a huge, huge wall of water. And it starts to creep up to your doorstep. It starts to rise. And before you know it, it's in your house. And you start to panic. 
You know, the last time to start rethinking foundation is during a flood. That's the worst time to start thinking about reorganizing your life, reprioritizing your life. You know what? For you, in that storm, it's too late. It's too late. I woulda, coulda, shoulda. It's too late. My recommendation would be grab the hard drive, a couple of scrapbooks, maybe some pictures that are near and dear to you, and get out of there. Because it's about to go. Your whole life, your whole family, your whole marriage is about to go. And it's time to get out. And let me let me say this. And I, I think I can speak with with authority on this issue. I have spent so many hours on the phone, face to face with people, so many hours, 23 years worth of people who call me, they want to get with me, and they say these words over and over. They're in the middle of the storm, the eye of the storm, and they're telling me, what can I do? What can I do? How can I save this? How can I save my house? How can I save my marriage? How can I save my life? Everything's coming apart. What can I do? Tell me. Oh, I so want to be positive. I so want to tell them. Just pray this prayer three times. Close your eyes. Click your heels. And turn around three times and you'll be back. You'll be back in Kansas. I so want to tell them that. But you know what my experience has been? It's time to run for high ground. It's too late. It breaks my heart to say it so many times. You're saying, well, you don't have faith in God. Oh, I have plenty of faith in God. The problem is, you didn't do what you needed to do when you needed to do it. You heard the word. You had the warning. You had the opportunity. And you waited. You postponed it. You said, I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it when I get out of school. I'll do it when I get a good job. I'll do it when my kids get older. I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it. And you didn't do it. I wish I wish I could sit down with you and, and, and have a face-to-face conversation across the coffee table and say, listen. You don't want to go through this storm. You don't want to live this out. Because it's bad. It's real bad. And it leaves scars on your life and on your heart forever. There's something you could have done. But you didn't do it. And today... Mark this day on the calendar, January 29th, 2012. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your warning. No lightning bolts, no 9-11, you know, no crazy stuff going on, no disasters. Just church one day. A warning not from me, not from the Lighthouse Church of Christ, from the Word of God. Telling you. If you don't do this, if you don't get out of the situation you're in, move to higher ground and start building up there, there's going to be a great crash. Fear is not the motivation. It's the reality. That's what Jesus is saying right here. That's what he's teaching. And there's no quick fix to get you back to Kansas. And here's the amazing thing is, there are people, when their life falls apart, they get mad at God. They shake their fist at God and said, I go to church. I pray frequently. Yeah, but you don't practice. You don't live. You don't obey. You don't apply. Do you think God's going to save you from your stupidity and your foolishness? Do you think he's going to do that? Hey, you know, I'm sorry for being so intense. I, I, I roll up my sleeves and I get involved in so much mess with people's lives. And I wish I could shake them out of it before it happens. It's so sad. 
because of their children and their children's children and the legacy of disaster that they leave behind. Jesus is saying, no, don't do this. Don't get mad at God. He warned you. To, he's warning all of us. 2,000 years ago, he warned us. This is how it's going to go down. This is what's going to happen. Now the babies are crying. For some of us, this is an explanation. Because we're on the other side of the storm. Right? We saw it. We lived it. We got no house. Everything's a mess. But we understand. Hey, the good news is you can start rebuilding. You know what? After a disaster, here's, here's something so important for you to hear. God doesn't love you any less now than He did before. Let me say it again. God doesn't love you any less after your disaster, after your stubbornness, after your foolishness. He doesn't love you any less. He loves you the same. He's willing to die for you now just like He would die for you before you did all the mess. He loves you that much. And it's time to start over. And He's willing to offer you that again. For you to begin again. And, you know, for somebody of us, you know, and, and we ask God why. It's simple. Because we didn't practice. We didn't do it. And here's, here's the thing that's, that's the second point. I said there's only one point. There's two. It's similar to the first one. Obedience, obedience defines the relationship. What do I mean by that? Who do you trust? Who do you trust? And I got to ask you guys some of this. Are you ready to trust our culture with your life? Are you ready to trust the politicians in our country with your marriage and your family? Are you willing to trust uh, our leaders with your economy and your finances? Maybe, maybe some of the, you know, the, the, the stars in Hollywood, do you want their life to be a model for you, how to live your life and how to create family? You know, there's so many disasters and fallen houses in Hollywood, but some of you want to model your life after them. You trust them because it's popular, it's what everybody's doing, it's, the, it's in vogue right now. You trust our society and our culture more than you would trust the Son of God. That's crazy. Who do you trust? Well, I trust my friends at school. They don't even know where they're going. They have no clue what's happening. It's all about here and now. And let's have fun now. Every day, our culture hands out an assignment to how to live your life. Here you go. This is your script. How to do marriage, how to do family. Okay? I want you to read the script, and I want you to act it out. This is what our culture and our society does. They hand you a script. This is how I want you to do family. This is how I want you to do money. And guess what we do? Okay. I'll take the part. I'll do it. I'll put my trust in society instead of in God's Word. Don't do it. Stop and use the brain that God gave you. Follow a little more. Read a little more. Practice a little more. And you will see. At 21 years of age, I figured it out. Not because I'm smart, but because I've been through a few storms. Disaster is what brought me to faith. Disaster is what will bring many people to faith. And we're going to close out here in John chapter 13. Listen to these words. Jesus is saying this. Who do you trust? I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. I have a question for you. Is our culture, are your friends... Is our society ready to lay down its life for you? 
Think about it. I know you like your friends. I know they like you. Are they ready to lay it down for you? Are they ready to bleed from their arms, from their feet, from their head for your sins to give you a new start? Do you know of anyone that's willing to do that for you? You see, because Jesus, in order for Him to call us to obedience, He's saying, look at me. I'm worthy of your trust. I've put it all out there for you. And He finishes he finishes this, this verse by saying this, No one takes it from me. I lay it down of my own accord. You know why Jesus obeyed God? When God asked Him, I want you to die for my children. You know why Jesus did it? Because He trusted His Father that He would see it through and everything would work out. Jesus is the model. He demonstrates for us obedience because of His love for God. And you know what He expressed to God? I fully, wholeheartedly, completely trust you, God. I'm willing to go through this. And you know what message He's sending to each one of us? I'm trustworthy. You can trust me. How do you know you can trust Jesus? Number one, the practical teaching has withstood thousands of years and proven itself to be true and right. It's toppled empires. It's conquered kingdoms. It's outlasted societies for decades, for thousands of years. But the number one reason why you can trust Jesus is because of this. I have authority, he says, to lay it down or take it up again. I don't have to do this. See, for me, obedience is a choice. I obeyed God when He called me to die on the cross for you because I wanted to do it. You see, when you understand God's love, you follow, and then you believe, and then you trust, and then you make that big step. I'm all in. I don't understand everything in your word, but I trust you. And I have no reason not to. So let's pray for the communion.